saber de luz que sale de tus ojos, esa luz que alumbra hasta la distancia entre tú y yo, llenando de susurro el templo de esta voz que recompone lo que compone esa voz. Fue tu abrazo al que pintas con caricia el candí que alumbra hasta la distancia entre tú y yo de este amor que lo provoca si lo provoca este amor Hello, hello. Welcome to KUCI 88.9 FM. You are listening to Pills, Easy to Swallow Stories in Medicine. I'm your host, DJ Broca. Uh, today, I'm really excited because in the studio I have uh, not only a guest, but a good friend of mine. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be Winston Wong joining us. Winston, can you uh, introduce yourself? Yes, yeah. Uh Thanks for having me here. Uh, what would you like me to, to say? Uh, everything about yourself, <coughs> but in like five words or less. In five words or less. Uh, I'm studying medicine here at UCI. That's a few words. That's that's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, actually, Winston is very uh, foundational to having this program because uh, when uh, when we were putting out the skim tape to try to get this program um, approved and see if uh, it would be on rotation this uh, winter quarter, uh, Winston and I were actually worked on it together, and he helped me um, put up like a example version of what pills would sound like. <laughs> yeah, so that's it's right. so it's only appropriate that now that we're ending the quarter, uh, Winston is uh, here as a true official guest on Finally. the program. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Winston, you are a medical student, as you mm-hmm. said, with um, a strong interest in uh, cancer research. Is that right? Uh, as it is now, yeah. Cool. Yeah, <coughs> definitely. Being a first year, I'm sure there can be lots of turns and changes of mind coming up but certainly a fascinating area and on this show already we've had two guests who have talking about talked about their experiences mm-hmm. going through cancer very different types yeah um both lymphoma and breast cancer and their experiences which um really rounded out the experience but today i think we're gonna talk a little bit more about the science side of things and try to understand um, what's going on? What do what do we know so far about mm-hmm. cancers? We'll limit our discussion, of course. Um, but yeah, could you tell me a little bit about what got you interested in um, this kind of research in the first place? <coughs> yeah, sure. Uh, well, just to start off, really, there are uh, lots of ideas floating around the realm of cancer research in general. But uh, what got me started into the research was really. Uh, bit of a personal connection. Uh, my grandfather had been diagnosed with metastatic prostate cancer that spread to his bones and other organs. Um, this was as I was graduating college and I decided to take some, take some time off uh, after college to uh, 
take care of him and the rest of the family. And then when he needed more advanced care, I actually ended up uh, working at the cancer center where he was being treated at, uh, which is actually City of Hope, um, about an hour away from here. I see. And so you got a chance to, in a way, participate in a very deep way by looking at the research. Yeah. Part. So I, I felt like it was, uh, <clears throat> personally, uh, given what I could do, um, I felt like it was a very holistic way of kind of taking care of my grandfather where you know I, I would drive him to the clinics I would take him home and but on the side I would use my knowledge and train myself to become a scientist to move or progress the field of cancer research very nice so um, you you've probably since then since it's been a few years afterwards mm-hmm. gotten some idea about different directions in which uh, people are looking at it. And it's no small field, right? Yeah. There's many different uh, pathways, many different approaches that different researchers are taking, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, What contributes to this variety? Is it just different types of therapeutic approaches that people are taking, or is the cancer itself (coughs) quite diverse? Yeah, so there are lots of different types of cancers, and with each different type of cancer, they have their own... uh, how do I call it? Uh, their own quirks, almost like the way mm-hmm. the the cells uh, operate, the way it interacts with things around it, the way that even it spreads to other organs. They take different tracks throughout the body. Oh, um, yeah. So when we look at this, I, I'd say cancer treatments are in a unique area now, where we don't really know when and where to use certain things because we know for certain drugs it'll work. A certain percentage of the time, right? Like, roughly speaking, if you give like 100 patients this drug, like maybe 50% of them will do well, 50% won't. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of effort now is trying to focusing, is trying to focus on why is it these 50% respond, whereas these other 50% don't. So that mm. that spawns a bit of a what they call like cancer precision medicine, where they they're trying to match um, like different treatments to patients that would do best on them. Mm-hmm. So trying to figure this out, like when should you give a drug to a person, in what circumstance, like uh, at what stage of their of their cancer? What about even within that stage? That what we call a stage um, are there different characteristics that will distinguish these people from others that would respond versus not? I see, I see. So a much more uh, fine tailored approach, I guess, in this case. Yeah, right? yeah, and I, I think even the, the president and. Uh, Vice President Biden uh, had this moonshot initiative about uh, carrying forth pre- uh, personalized medicine, precision medicine, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. is this falls into that wing. I see. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. The, a lot has been made about this, right? Pre- um, uh, personalized <coughs> medicine. So this would be kind of that aspect of it: looking at the person, seeing what about them would um, constitute one therapy or another, or things like that. Yeah. So th- that's that's like the general idea. Um, but it falls under lots of different categories too. So even within this this approach, that, well, it's a it's more of an end goal. But the, the approaches trying to accomplish this would include uh, like how the the cancer cells use um, food or things in its environment. What we call uh, like a metabolic approach to see <coughs> how it uses energy and how um, it grows or whatnot. And the other side, it's what in the environment, just around the around the tumor or around like where it's spread, 
how, and how that affects the tumor. So what I mean by that is, like, how does your immune system interact with the cancer cells? How does it interact or promote or um, ignore the cancer? What does the cancer right. do to prevent the immune system from acting upon its uh, upon the tumor? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, what would we... What kinds of things do we need to measure, I guess, to get a sense of that? I mean, can we measure immune response? Can we measure, uh, <coughs> are genetics useful in this? Or is that too far removed from the point when the person actually develops the cancer? Oh, well, uh, there are lots of efforts into uh, sequencing like people's uh, genomes while they're on treatment during the course of their cancer progression. Before cancer, even, there's, this, there's an initiative... Um, looking at wellness in general where you it's like a longitudinal longitudinal effort where they're looking at genome sequencing for patients that end up doing well versus getting sick and trying to figure out what what in the genome makes that makes certain people healthier than others but that that's like a kind of an aside and say yeah but it seems like well did you say people are sequencing genomes as people go through therapy yeah yeah so there Does there the is an interest change I, I, there I is potential it would be for that. like a static thing. <clears throat> yeah, so even even while patients are on treatment, uh, the cancer cells can what scientists would call uh, rewire their their pathways that they use to grow and maintain its growth. So typically speaking, these uh, chemotherapy drugs, uh, the latest generation ones, they target very specific proteins or pathways that the cancer cell needs to to grow. But even within the cell, there are multiple roads that lead down the same path. So mm-hmm. they can take an alternative route. So we're trying to see how, well, not we, but in general, the community are, are trying to figure out when and where these uh, changes in the route occur. Hmm. I see. And maybe if we can block off multiple routes at the same time as opposed to one. Lots right. of different ideas here. So that there are no ways to kind of progress into that cancerous state. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. And uh, there, uh, so I, I guess in the past like couple of decades, a lot of focus was on <coughs> just trying to identify mutations within a patient uh, that would lead to cancer or make their cancers more aggressive or more uh, likely to spread to other parts of the body. Um, but there's there's a new-ish idea about kind of root mutations where <clears throat> you have these cells they start off with certain mutations and from them from just a few of these mutations it spawns a whole network of changes throughout the cell so one these change these are the cancer cells we're talking about now. the cancer cells yeah yeah themselves. so okay they have a couple of mutations and okay. each one is associated with a fairly big network of changes mm-hmm. so th- that that change is basically you're saying a more consequential change which snowballs into further <coughs> problems down the road? Yeah, so typically when, when uh, people prescribe treatments, it's for identifying patients with these are mutations and we'll treat these mutations, right? Mm-hmm. But what if we can target the re- mutations, the ones that start it all? Mm-hmm. That's, that's another idea that's out in the block. I see, I see. Yeah. So in order to be able to do this kind of thing, you need to be able to find what kind of what root mutations have occurred? Is that is that variable or is it usually the same between uh, cancers, between people? Well, certain mutations are common across uh, multiple different types of cancers. Certain mutations, uh, certain cancers are driven by certain mutations more often than not. Um, there are genetic factors, there are 
certain risk factors in daily living that kind of promote these certain mutations. Oh, daily living. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, like uh, smoking. Like smoking and, and drinks. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting you mentioned the the finding of the cancer site because uh, there's also a new idea out there about a a liquid biopsy. So I think when people typically hear about a, a biopsy in general, it's it's a procedure. You go into the hospital or you go into some uh, center where they like poke your tumor. A long needle goes in. Yeah, to, to take a some. take a sample of the tumor. Right. And the hope is to look under the microscope and figure out what type of cancer this is based on right. how it looks under the microscope. Right. But um, there, there are instances where cancers can potentially look the same but harbor different mutations. Mm, so okay. different drugs will work on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, or rather, drugs would work differently on these people. Okay. So the concept of a, of a liquid biopsy is where rather than just taking a sample from uh, one site, like just your prostate just uh like your pancreas or something you just take a blood sample it's a it's Mm -hmm. a simple blood draw and what they do is they they analyze or they try they try to look for markers of the cancer in your blood and in recent years it's mostly been circling tumor cells so tumor cells that have popped off the tumor and are floating around your blood that can potentially cause spread to other organs Mm mm-hmm but the uh, the problem with that is it's it's kind of a it's difficult to make the journey all the way across the bloodstream mm-hmm. to a and specific site it. yeah <clears throat> so what new efforts are doing are uh, improving upon uh, capturing just dna that's flowing around the blood mm-hmm. so even if you have a cell that you can't isolate it still carries dna with it mm-hmm. and you can capture the dna huh Okay, yeah. okay. So let me let me see if I get this straight because um, we learned a little bit in a previous <coughs> episode about, say, breast cancer, where mm-hmm. the typical workup for a physician would mm-hmm. be to first screen with a mammogram or something like that. Yeah, and that's pretty crude, right? So that would give you an idea of maybe there's a tumor somewhere, mm-hmm. and you just kind of you're imaging the tissue, and then you see like a chunk or something there, and now you notice it. And if it warrants a follow-up because of its size or something mm-hmm. like that, and the there's due diligence taken to do a biopsy, this yeah. is that version of a biopsy that we we talked about at the beginning, right? Where a needle goes in, and you mm-hmm. identify a, some cells, and then you put it yeah. under a microscope and you like take a look at it. <coughs> now, from that, can you distinguish between the different genetic makeups? Like, can you somehow uh, apply something to the cells to be able to sequence their DNA? Or you need to be able to find a different route, like what we're going to talk about with the blood. Uh, so with the blood, at least, um, we're not quite there in being able to you know, pinpoint this is definitely pancreatic cancer that spread to the lung based on just a blood sample. Okay. okay. I mean, that, that it w- they would be nice. But a, but a solid biopsy can do... Could you do that with a solid biopsy? Yeah, so you'd biopsy the... Uh, like a new growth in the body, like say mm-hmm. um, within the bone or something, or right. maybe not maybe in the bone, but another organ. Uh-huh. Uh, and you look under the microscope and you see that these cells look vague, or they have characteristics of, uh, say, the pancreas or something. You can mm-hmm. kind of say that it's pancreatic cancer that has spread to this site. Mm-hmm. They're trying to do that without having to do a biopsy, without having to uh, operate. Because huh. blood tests are, are faster. Oh, I see. Okay, so you're <coughs> getting just kind of the 
maybe a comparable quality reading as yeah. like a solid biopsy. We're it's not saying it's kind of better. Yeah, it's, it's not direct, right. but we can infer. I and the way they do this is actually really cool. Uh-huh. Because, Tell us about it. Yeah, sure. So each cancer has its own unique genetic makeup, right? So the DNA is structured and organized in a certain way. Uh, more uh, on a larger scale than just the DNA itself, the DNA is wound around in coils, around structures we call nucleosomes, uh, and chromosomes. Mm-hmm. So when when a cell bursts in the blood, um, the free DNA, the DNA that's hanging around, that's not wrapped up around or protected by these structures, these proteins, mm-hmm. um, they can get damaged by lots of things floating around the blood. Okay, but uh, you can actually uh, almost degrade the proteins in the mm-hmm. in the serum sample mm-hmm. and pop off the DNA. Huh. Uh, from from the protein. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you have the you have these DNA sequences now that have been almost protected by these proteins, uh-huh. and based on uh, the ends of the sequences, because mm-hmm. remember, uh, they they follow a, a specific organizational structure. You mm-hmm. can infer where these segments lie in a larger map of the genome. Huh. And you can and they're they're trying to expand on this technology to pinpoint uh, which cancer type this is. Because you can uh. you can map out um, like where this segment of DNA should be coming from. Oh, I see. So you can make sense of I'm looking at you know page 432 out of like this thousand page book of the human genome. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. there's a there's a very unique sentence there. Almost. Right, right. That you know <laughs> of, and then the next sentence is the one you want to actually read to see what kind of cancer it is. Yeah. Sort of. So feeling. they they just improved. Uh, the uh, Jason Durr group and University of Washington, they just uh, published a paper on having a better method of, of doing this. Although they haven't really expanded on testing lots of different types of cancers yet, they mm-hmm. have matched um, their technique to diagnosing certain types of cancers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. So with this technique of taking the blood, mm-hmm. it, is this? it sounds like it's a lot of kind of figuring out pattern matching and things like that is it like a very computational approach really that they're yeah doing? yeah so there's a lot of uh, computer algorithms in, involved in making sense of the data and trying to align things uh, based on like almost maps or encyclopedias of genomes that we have already mm-hmm. okay yeah. so trying to figure out hey this is what we're looking at right now yeah i see what could this mean i guess um are, are, is it ready to be kind of used <coughs> in hospitals and things like that or uh, it might be functionalized for very specialized centers but I don't think it's it's going to be found in the community setting or your uh, family doctor anytime soon, soon but sure. the hope is that it would be uh, easy enough for a clinic outside of like a large institution to do it mm-hmm. and it seems like what we're really saying is that this surrogate once it's good enough it you know reliable enough mm-hmm. would give you the same kind of genetic information about the tumor as what you would get from a biopsy so it would give you some good information about the genetic background it actually goes a little bit further than the biopsy okay they hope um, mm-hmm. because within a biopsy you take a sample of just one uh, site right mm-hmm. one one particular part of the tumor mm. uh, there's this other idea in uh, floating around right now that even within a single tumor there are different cells that will respond differently to treatments. Mm-hmm. So what I mean is that you could give this particular drug, it would kill off, say, 95% of the cells. The remaining 5% mm-hmm. are resistant. 
And from those, from that population, they can grow again to make a tumor that's that won't respond to treatment. Mm. So the one of the, the goals of the liquid biopsy is to sample DNA from different uh, cells. Okay. So if you can, you can <clears throat> pinpoint this collection of DNA just from, say, the prostate or something, or just the pancreas, mm-hmm. and figure out that uh, certain pieces don't make sense in this particular image of the genome, then it could kind of clue us in on two different mutational profiles almost going on within just the pancreas or Uh just the prostate or something. I see. Okay. So it's more, much more versatile, it sounds like, because you can kind of sample wherever in the body and you can get this like really good sense. It seems like with the solid biopsy, you need to know exactly where to look yeah. with imaging or whatever you've done. You could totally beforehand. miss a site that's and you uh, could deemed resistant or right. contain resistant cells. Right. But this sounds really great and it's it's still very far from being really implemented. Mm-hmm. But it is being developed at fairly large institutions. I see. And is this does this fall under a larger umbrella of kind of efforts in order to kind of find the characteristics of cancer? I mean, we started off kind of with the big picture is this under mm. one of those wings of what cancer research is progressing towards? Yeah, so this would, I, I guess, functionally speaking, you can kind of track how a tumor progresses over time and figure out when you would need to give a certain treatment by matching, you know, this treatment targets this mutation or this protein. Right now, the tumor has a lot of this protein, so this drug will work very well on it. And what about five months later, two months later? We'll tell from the blood from the blood test. Mm-hmm. Um you can kind of you can kind of do that to a very small degree right now with the solid biopsies and uh, the way they do it in 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 certain research efforts is they'll they'll, they'll take a biopsy and they will take uh, sections of the biopsy and mm-hmm. freeze it right there. So mm-hmm. the goal is that when you freeze this sample, you prevent any other biological processes from going on. Oh, okay. Or uh, ideally speaking. Oh, like putting something in the fridge too, right? Like exactly. You yeah. Hope that- other bacteria aren't growing on it. Yeah, you don't want it to go bad. Right. So you want to preserve it as is right then. So okay. you get almost a snapshot of what's going on at that site. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of figure out, you know, oh, this tumor has a lot of uh, neutrophils invading in the area. What does this mean? It has uh, a lot of new blood vessels. What does that mean? Can we use this drug that prevents blood vessel formation? Mm-hmm. Potentially. Okay. Yeah. Right, right, right. Very interesting. So... What do you, as somebody who is right now in med school and interested in this, um, what do you do to keep up with um, the latest developments? And what is something that a listener who may or may not have the background that you Mm do, what can they do to kind of keep up with cancer research? Um, I I think the American Cancer Society does a great job of outreach to the general audience. If you want a more detailed uh, update on the advances in cancer research uh, the American Society of Clinical Oncology is great they'll send updates on every sort of t- every sort of cancer you can think of and the latest clinical advances the latest scientific advances um, what else the American Association of Cancer Research also great um, those are the two main ones I go to and their their associate conferences always release news reports on the latest discoveries the headliners I see and yeah. so those are good ways to keep up with uh, what's going on in the field. Yeah, I think that's more from the uh, technical aspect, but I think American Cancer Society does a great job. And there are certain small uh, efforts in reaching out to the community about what goes on in cancer research and clinically from even medical centers. 
So I, I believe here at UCI we also have certain articles about the advances at, at that are being uh, put forth by the UCI Medical Center and the Child Family Cancer Center, uh, different cancer centers uh, all around. They will have their own releases. Press releases, right? Yeah. Right. And they're all very patient-friendly from what I've seen. I see. I see. So was there a press release for the kind of article we <coughs> just discussed about this? Um, you know, I wasn't sure. Tumor. So I, I found this through a strictly technical scientific media. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there was a, a patient release for this. Okay. If uh, people are interested, though, what should they maybe Google to see if they can find something? Uh, sure. Uh, I can even pull up the, the paper title if you'd like. Sure. Uh, so this comes out of the Jay Shindura Lab at University of Washington. Uh, Jay Shindura? Shindura. So Shindura. Okay. Uh, S-H-E-N-D-U-R-E. Okay. It's published in Cell, and it's a paper called Cell-Free DNA Comp- uh, Comprises an In Vivo Nucleosome Footprint That Informs Its Tissues of Origin. Basically saying this DNA that's floating around the blood, we can figure out where it lies in this larger instruction manual and find where that instruction manual is from. Right. A classic uh, scientific title, Decoded. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where do you, um, as a future clinician, since you are in medical school, um, where do you see yourself, um, how do you see yourself integrating research? Are you, do you want to be on the front lines doing more of this uh, research or do you, are you more interested in the application aspect of it? Um, well, application is always the end goal for you know, anyone in, re- in in the research or in, in the clinical field. But I I, th- I think I do see myself more on the research aspect. I definitely do want to see patients and have a, th- have a feeling that I really directly contribute to their care in the long run and the short run. But there are certain questions that I would like to answer more than just following instructions or with guidelines that are available out there. Like these, there's mm-hmm. certain questions I like to chase. Mm-hmm. And I want to answer that in the laboratory. I see. And do you think that will impact your clinical as well? Like you would become a better clinician as a result? Um, it would definitely add a an extra dimension to the clinical duties, but not. I, I don't. I don't think research in itself will, you know, make me a, a next level clinician or bring me to a a, a crazy um, level of proficiency. Sure. I think yeah. that's strictly clinical and associated uh, yeah. factors. Very different uh, realms, but both perhaps chasing the same uh, mm-hmm. goal Yeah. in this case. Very nice. Well, it was really nice to have you, Winston. Thank you for uh, stopping by the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope uh, we get to see you again sometime soon. <laughs> thanks. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The show you've been listening to is Pills. Easy to swallow stories in medicine. I've been your uh, host, DJ Broca, um, and I'm signing off now. Next up is Uncle Sadra, who will be chatting about, well, we'll see what it is. Um, his show is Good Grief. Stay tuned. Que alumbras la distancia entre tú y yo de este amor.